1: Spend my dollar. It's not about what you want. It's about what you're willing to do to get it. (laughs) Run it again. Hello and welcome. I'm not going to, so quit asking. When you give me a hard time. For the listeners that didn't get to go. This is the payback. Alabama wins. What you did last year really doesn't matter. Our goal is to have the kind of team that nobody wants to play.
0: Hello and welcome to another edition of the Alabama Football Podcast. Well, folks, looks like we're going to have a season after all. A legit season, full of contrast and competition, all in place of the four-month coronation parade we likely expected after September opened with an overhyped hurricane. Now, that's a Miami hurricane, not Ida. Ida actually was appropriately hyped. And that is how another Saturday, a second consecutive Saturday, I felt like Alabama lost. Instead of actually pacing college football with a 3-0 record, an outstanding reputation that's actually good enough to set another week perched atop the rankings. Saturday's showing against the Florida Gators was both troubling and illuminating. Frustrating and potentially groundbreaking. For his own part, post-game Saban was equally contrarian. Laughing with CBS's Jamie Erdahl. Smirking during the presser. Complimenting Mullen and the Gators and praising His team. Meanwhile, Alabama fans were left filling in their own blanks. D's Gators, D's Play Calls, D's Missed Tackles, and D's Missed Blocks. As for me, I struggle with the contrast as much as anybody. Playing in front of a historically large and charged swamp, Alabama did show resolve and grit and did legit earn a valuable road game in a tough building in a tough conference. Hey, the Swamp is tough to play in under any circumstances. This was an extra challenging, uh, historically large crowd, uh, historically charged event. This was a tougher venue than what we would expect to see in a typical game in the Swamp, so to speak, and certainly a typical SEC road game. But also watched the team... Hack up a twenty-one to three lead, lose three quarters of play, yield a ninety-nine yard touchdown drive to an otherwise underwhelming quarterback, get beat along both lines of scrimmage, and narrowly escaped with a tarnished W. I want to say this game proves what we already know, like the two thousand fourteen Arkansas game, the two thousand fifteen Ole Miss game, or even the two thousand twenty. All Miss game. Winning SEC games is hard, and sometimes the win can come dressed as a loss. Did Saturday do more to expose or reveal the tide? I don't know yet, but look, here's what we do know. Jumping in on the offensive side of the ball, we know that Bryce Young continues to develop, but he's proven that he has what it takes. By no stretch of the imagination is Bryce perfect. He's not even Tua or Mac, uh, but his stat line—twenty-two of thirty-five for four uh, for two forty—was good. His six-point-nine-yard average is pedestrian. His three touchdowns, now, hey, that's really good. It could have been four, could have been five, but he had three. Three's a really good number, uh, especially starting uh, his third game and his first game on the road, and we've talked about the venue. But if you look at his stat line, what really stands out is amazing on his stat lines, all things considered, zero turnovers in Saturday's conditions is absolutely outstanding. Now, watching the game, a lot of things come to mind, but one thing – resonates loud and clear. Clearly, Bryce is instructed not to run the ball. The TD where he threw it to Cam and Cam just happened to land one foot out of bounds, uh, as opposed to if he had landed first on his other uh, foot, it would have been a touchdown. Clearly, Bryce could have and should have run that in for a touchdown. That ended up being a four-point swing uh, in a two-point game. That's, That's the material differential there. But that is so much easier to coach out of. Actually, it's much easier to coach into Bryce than it is to coach out of his game. Coaching running out of Jalen Hurts wasn't going to happen. Coaching running into Bryce... In select situations, such as like you can reach out and taste the goal line, go ahead and run that in. Let's not jeopardize the ball putting it in. And now we have an, an example of what can happen, especially that close to the sidelines. Not that Cam did anything wrong, but and not really that Bryce did anything wrong. He just could have done a little bit better in running that into the end zone uh, himself. I enjoyed uh, his inside shuffle to Cam. Another play to Cam on another drive. I thought that was creative. I thought that was clever. I speaks. I think that speaks to his sticking with a play. And actually, I think that's harder to teach. He has that that uh, that conceptual understanding of of where to go to the ball that with the ball. That's harder to teach. The fact that he threw the ball to for the what would have been a touchdown. It's not a bad play. The running just would have been better. And in the shuffle to camp, the creativity that that demonstrated, the awareness, sort of the wherewithal, the sticking with the play, that's phenomenal. And it's that, that's what's harder to coach into into the player. And so I think Bryce is going to continue to develop later this season, this uh, next season throughout his career. We're going to see those subtle differences where he's executing with a little more precision, a little more perfection, if you will, uh, in his game this is small but i really enjoyed his greeting his teammates going into the locker room and the tv camera just sort of framed it up it's something you may not may not have even noticed uh and wouldn't have noticed if the tv didn't didn't capture it just so but he was where they were in the field and where the play ended going into half, he was he was very close with a handful of teammates to just run up the ramp and go into the locker room. And he started to do that. He started to go up the ramp, and he and he stopped and he turned around and he just with stuck both arms out and started giving high fives and patting uh, patting his guys. Some of those guys were the players that literally had been on the field with him just seconds earlier, and some of those were the teammates that were coming across the field to to go into. Um, into the locker room. It's subtle. It's not that big of a deal, but it was it was enough that he is demonstrating that he wants to be perceived as a leader, not in a sort of cheesy kind of way, but but he wants to sort of embrace his teammates. And so I thought the, I thought that was a good visual. I, I liked and appreciated that. I think this kid. I think Bryce. I think he has what we want, uh, and I think he has what he needs. Uh, what we need. Now there's, there's a couple of things that happened offensively and look, it's not Bryce's fault, but I think as he steps into greater leadership, he can have voice with the team and uh, he can influence these types of outcomes. We had three, Alabama had three consecutive three and outs, and that's after scoring on three consecutive drives. That stinks. That's not how this works. Alabama had three yards in the entire second quarter. That's not how this works. And then Alabama had 10 points across uh, across the second, third, and fourth quarters of the game. Uh, and in fact, lost, if you will, uh, if you're keeping score, lost three quarters of the game. That's not how this works at Alabama. It's not how it's going to work at the quarterback position. I think Bryce is, is a character, a player that can help us turn that around. So we don't see that. Even in big games against big opponents, uh, we can turn that around. I think everyone is responsible. I'm not putting the mantle of this exclusively on Bryce, but as he grows into that leader, leadership position, I think he can have sort of an outsized uh, proportional uh, influence. I think this is a mess that needs to be cleaned up. Uh, as Saban indicated last week, when things stink, they stink for everyone. And uh, really three-quarters of the game in that regard, uh, they 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 really sort of stuck up the joint in that regard. And there's an opportunity to improve that. And I think Bryce, Bryce can play a role there. All right, speaking of things stinking – we're going to move to the offensive line, and uh, I've sort of progressively gone backwards, uh, much in the way the offensive line has. I started by saying after week one, "Hey, it's not unsettled, but it's not yet settled," and I tried to sort of find an angle there. Uh, last week I said, "No, it's an unsettled uh, position," and this week, following the Florida, the Florida game, the offensive line is just outright regressing. You know, I do want to give Florida some credit. I think one of the they're one of the best uh, defensive lines that we're going to see this season. However. This offensive line is uh, is is going the wrong way in in the in pre, in a preseason show. And if you haven't listened to our preseason show, I think there's still a lot of value there. I would encourage you to uh, to check that out. In the preseason show, we sort of took on a topic that I've done in the in sort of in spring before, and it's it's a more fun topic in spring because it's more just sort of creative, imaginative, and and I've done this before where you know we redraft the players that are departing from the prior year's team. If you think about, hey, what does this next year's team need that if we could just keep one or two players from last year's team, who would we really want that to be? Well, everyone would say Mac and Najee and, you know, all of, you know, Devonta. And look, they would all have uh, an interesting opportunity and roles within this team. But my sort of contrarian view or, or, or selection was Alex Leatherwood. Man, what if we could have Alex Leatherwood back on this team in this game Saturday? And in fact, to this point in the season, but Saturday, golly, Saturday really sort of brought this to bear. What if this Alabama team had Alex Leatherwood at right tackle and Evan Neal at right tackle? Uh, How improved would the entire offense be? Bryce's performance would be better the running backs performance would be better the rest of the offensive lines performance would be better the wide receivers performance would be uh better think of taking shots down the field when you when the quarterback has time to let the plays to develop that's a single player player that would have sort of a, an oversized or outsized ripple effect across the entire uh, offense, and in fact, if you really want to get crazy with it, three three and outs that wouldn't happen with Leather, Leather Leatherwood in the in the game, and that would have uh, in, assisted the the defense as well. Instead of that, we have Chris Owens uh, at right tackle. Now, listen, I love the kid. I've talked about this before. I've mentioned him on multiple podcasts under favorable light, but he lost his job at center. And on Saturday, he put on an outstanding audition for a role on the bench for the rest of the season. I think Owens' Saturday against Florida was beat like a drum and not like a little drummer boy, romp a pom pom, you know, stair drum beating. No. He was beat like John John Bonham's bass drum on an extended play of Moby Dick. He was whipped. I watched 79 for most of the game. Most every play of the entire game, I watched 79. And his man almost always got pressure. Multiple times, tight ends were moved over. Multiple times, multiple tight ends were moved over. Motions to offset the blocking. Pulling linemen. We did so much to orchestrate structure and infrastructure of, of line around Chris Owens that I think it took away from some of the offense. A lot of the motion, a lot of the sweeps, a lot of the running went to the, went to the left. Well, Sabin likes to go to the right, too. He likes to run to the right, too. And I don't think that, that we did nearly as much of that because of the holes, the leaking uh, line that we had there on the right side. I absolutely enjoy Chris Owens. I absolutely think he needs to be removed from the lineup until he gets something sorted out. My single biggest surprise of all of the things that happened Saturday, my single biggest surprise is that the Alabama staff did not rotate him out, hands down. You, I don't care what you come at me with, the, you know, the 100-yard, 99-yard uh, touchdown, the score, a play, Slade dropping a ball. I don't care what you have. You don't have anything that is a bigger surprise to me than Chris Owens playing the entire game at right tackle. And look, I'm not piling on the guy any more than I had to watch that. And the team had to suffer through that. And a quarterback or a running back is going to get hurt. In fact, B-Rob got dinged up twice. Is it a result of that? No, probably not. But somebody's going to get hit. Somebody's going to get hurt if we're not blocking up front. Or we're just going to lose a game. As a result, Uh, we're going to experience a turnover. We're going to experience Bryce getting hit as he's trying to throw the ball, and it's going to be a fumble or going to lead to an interception. These things happen. This is the the nature of the game. It's a surprise to no one that I uh, say this. Is it Kendall Rudolph? Is it DeAndre George? Is it uh, JC Latham? I don't know. I'd put them all out there uh, and give them a turn. Ultimately, I do think it's Latham, and I've been very, very consistent uh, in that prediction. But uh, I think we absolutely have to put someone else in that that position. Their learning curve, anyone else's learning curve at that right tackle position right now, is better than Owen's limitations at the position. I'm sorry, but it's true. Uh, I think it probably even impacted Emil Ekior. He was offsides a couple of times. If he knows he's going to get, if he has to do something to help the right tackle outside of him, then that's going to make him anxious in his play because now he might feel like I've got my responsibilities and someone else's that I have to try to account for, or this whole side of the line is going to collapse. Is that why he was offsides a couple times? Is that why he had false starts? Is that why he missed his block a couple times? I don't know, but is there room for connective tissue there? Yes, yes, I do believe that there is. Continuing on across the offense, I thought Cameron Latou and Jalil Billingsley, I thought they played very, very well. It was good to see more wrinkles uh, with them in, in the play, more lineups with uh, with them in, them in there. I think they did have to motion to the right a lot or line up on the right a lot to slow down the rush over there. I think if we can solve for that, I think there's a world of wrinkle that we can bring into the offense, a a, a lot of flavor that Alabama can bring into the offense uh, with Cameron and uh, Jalil. And that's going to be super exciting to watch, but I do think it it anchors back to the offensive line. Uh, Spoiler alert, that's going to be a theme as we continue through the offense. Running backs. Uh, Man, on one hand, I want to go full hats off to uh, Brian Robinson, uh, he rushed for 75 of Alabama's 91 rushing yards, and those numbers by themselves stink. Uh, but the fact that he had, and I should have put a percentage on that, uh, had, you know, what's that, 75, uh, 80% of the, uh, the Tide's uh, rushing performance uh, put up by a single player. The fact that it was only 75 of 91 uh, is a l- little bit smelly there. Uh, he was dinged twice uh, early, early in the game on a run. He it looked like he just landed awkwardly on his foot, uh, and he sort of hobbled off. He came back uh, quickly after uh, uh, maybe the next series. Uh, he was back out, out on the field. Uh, and then later in the game, uh, Saban said he sort of uh, dinged his ribs, and uh, but he thought that he would be okay. But nonetheless, he was a workhorse. Uh, he ran hard. Uh, lowered his shoulder multiple times and uh, I know there was at least one key touchdown uh, that he scored uh, that uh, that Alabama certainly needed uh, on a goal line uh, situation. Uh, Jace I thought was very good, less running the ball, uh, although he did run for some tough yards, uh, but he was active receiving the ball. I think he had four catches, and so that's certainly something that he brings to the table. And I just think athletically as a runner, we we saw last year uh, when he can sort of buy the corner. He seems a thicker uh, running back, and we've talked about that, but uh, I, I think he is really getting into the rotation, and I would consider him so sort of a co-number one. And I think the play this far thus far in the season has demonstrated that. Trey Sanders not playing. I just don't know uh, what's going on there. There was a shot of him – Uh, On the sideline, looked like he was sitting on an equipment uh, uh, trunk or something and just looked thoroughly dejected. I don't know if that's because he had been told, hey, you're not going to get reps today or we're going to keep you out of this game. It's a harder, more physical game. And you injury, I don't know if it has something to do with that. Or if something happened. Uh, In the week of practice, and God, I hope this is not true, but uh, something in the week of practice that uh, they said, hey, we're going to hold you out from an injury uh, perspective. I hope that's not true. I hope that maybe it was just the nature of the game plan and and we wanted uh, the more sort of physical backs. I don't know. I just don't know. But Trey Sanders, uh, he just has a dynamic punch. And I think I would love to have seen him even just on a couple of tall sweeps. Let's try to get him in some space and see what he can do. We've talked about he has, he has like swivel hips, that uh, he's very fluid. And uh, I think he's, he's a guy that I would have liked to have seen, you know, get four or five reps. I would have liked to have seen all of our running backs get, you know, six or seven or eight uh, more carries. We seem to be more interested in, in trying to pass the ball. Not altogether a bad thing, but uh, I think there was room to run, and I think we could have created some momentum in the running game. Uh, we've been rating our uh, running backs sort of 1-3 based on what we've seen. Uh, the first two games, that's been fun. This game is not fun. You know, because we don't get to rate all three of them, and uh, just because the running game was sort of subpar across the board, uh, clearly I got to go with Brian Robinson with, with his production, his physicality, and uh, and then Jace is going to come in second by default. Uh, again, that's not a knock on Jace. Uh, I thought he had an outstanding day, and uh, they both uh, both contributed to scores. Uh, ties back to run uh, ties back to the offensive line. Wide receivers, they never seemed to really get rolling. Jamison had four for 61. There was there was there was a catch where it looked like he was just trying to shake free. He was on the sort of the left side of the field, a left side of the offense, and it felt like he was just trying to shake free. And if he could get into open space, just he was going to be able to turn on the Jets. And he had like two strides where it looked like he was about to launch and uh, someone came and sort of swiped his foot out from under him. Uh, I really like to see him in space where he could make a move and then turn on the Jets because he's that kind of, of player. Uh, he came very close to doing that against Florida, and that would have been a really big touchdown uh, had he been able to sort of stretch the field in and, and that way and, and uh, potentially get a store, score. I thought Mech- Mechie looked good but not outstanding. Uh, he was six for 49. Uh, what we're seeing from Mechie, and, and I hate – I love when I make predictions in the right and sometimes I hate when I make predictions in the right. One of the things that, that we asked is uh, as a que- question or is a watch item around Mechie is he's never been the number one guy. He's never been lined up against the top. Uh, cornerback from uh, from an opponent. And uh, Kyir Elam is a very good cornerback, especially locked up in man. And we seem to go to Mechie a lot. He had six receptions and he had some drops there as well. And what that means is that we were picking on their number one uh, corner a lot. We were going in that direction a lot. And if I look at their cornerback, their number one cornerback relative to our number one receiver, how do I like that one on one matchup? I'm not sure that I do. I think I like the I think I like the Florida uh cornerback. And so when we're forcing the ball to met you, we're forcing the ball into that type of of uh, that type of coverage or that type of uh, of defense, and so it makes me wonder: Could we have done better in going in different parts of the field? Could we have attacked uh, different uh, different parts of the field? Maybe let's run some some nines with Mechie to take Elam out of the play, uh, so that we could work uh, the other sort of three quarters uh, of the field. I think that's something that we could have looked at. But the thought there is that you know mechi entered last season as the number three. Ah, uh, behind Waddle and Devontae, and 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 the season behind that, he was the number five running back. So he's gone from three to five to one, and it has he has he topped out? Is he truly a number one receiver? Not mad at the guy. I love him. I think he's I think he's really talented, but in terms of he can get is is he a guy that can get open against anyone in a critical situation? I don't know that we've seen that Uh, certainly not historically because that he hasn't been asked to do that, but Saturday he was asked to do it and six catches for 49 yards is, is what you get. Is that what we need? six catches for 90 and a touch would be more representative of of what we would want out of that position. So there's still opportunity for him uh, to improve and there's still opportunity for the play around him to improve. Uh, but that's going to be something to, uh, that's certainly going to be something to watch. I think actually, you know, in response to that, I think we need to see more Jojo Earl. I think we need to see more Ajay Hall. I think we need to find Difference makers on our existing roster. Uh, you know, we don't have to look far. Julio Jones, uh, Amari Cooper, Calvin Ridley, Devonta Smith. Freshmen can be difference makers, significant difference makers uh, at that position. JoJo Earl, Ajay Hall, uh, amongst others. I think they should get. They should get an audition at. Can you be the number one guy? Can we count on you at least situationally? to find help us find a matchup so that you can be our go-to, go-to receiver. That's not in place of Mechie. That's in addition to Mechie. If they're on the field and they're beating their guys, then that makes it easier for Mechie uh, to beat his guy. Maybe they move their number one corner to one of these guys, completely shut them down, and that opens up Mechie. We need to make a conflict for the defense, for the defensive coordinator. And right now – I don't think Alabama receivers are providing that. I think the talent is on the roster to do it. We just need to invest into that talent so they get more experience quicker, quicker uh, so that they can uh, they can develop. I think also, stop me if you've heard this before, I think the offensive line has a role here. If If we're getting pressure on the quarterback and Bryce can't set his feet and survey the field and wait for these longer breaking routes to develop, then they never will, and uh, that's something that that needs to be addressed. I do think before we wrap up offense, if we don't solve for offensive line, if Alabama doesn't solve for the offensive line, I think we drop two games this season. There you go. Uh, mini game ball. I'm giving mini game ball to Robbie Outs. Uh, he's a true freshman. Uh, he's played some at uh, tight end and halfback. But if you're watching the game, you most uh, likely saw him as a fullback. And so in goal line situations, he's lined up as a, as a fullback. Uh, it, it's something else we sort of predicted or wished for or hoped for in the preseason. Like I said, there's still a lot of value in that preseason show uh, in terms of the roster and and uh, and such, we're we're seeing things materialize almost weekly that we talked about or forecasted. And Robbie Alts at a fullback position is certainly something uh, that we saw. It's a little bit of a throwback, a little bit of uh, of an old school uh, type of formation and play. But I think that he is that character. I think he has that sort of persona. I think he has that sort of that is in his game. That's in his wheelhouse. We've taken defensive linemen and brought them over for their heft, their size and their their physicality, but they're just running forward and blocking someone. I think Alts, I think that's who he is. I think he is a. Uh, I think he's a fullback and a halfback and, and a tight end. And so I look forward to increased roles, increased opportunities uh, for him to get the ball. Again, offensive line, and uh, but I think we've got a lot of wrinkles that we can sort of layer in and uh, in in some goal line situations that uh, that we could see something happen there. So mini game ball for uh, for Robbie Outs in that regard. All right, so let's flip the field and let's talk defense. All right, so I want to get into our defense, and uh, there's a lot of things that, uh, that that I want to touch upon uh, from a defensive perspective. But what I need to do, what we really, really need to do as Alabama fans, we need to take pause, and we need to recognize Dan Mullen uh, is just is just a tactician. There's a lot of sort of goofy things that he does, you know, Darth Vader thing last year. Uh, is an example, and and there's others. I think Florida fans even sort of acknowledge, yeah, it seems there's some weird stuff, but if you just stick to the X's and O's, and and just the tactician that he is uh, as an offensive play caller or really an offensive designer, uh, there's a really there a lot to like. And so if you think about the last three games, now you know Dan is now O for 11 in his last 11 games, uh, or I guess that's all time uh, uh, coaching against. Uh, Saban. But if you look at the last three games, he seems to be sort of demystifying. And he could very well be 3-0 and in those last three games. Uh, obviously, Saturday's game could have gone a different way. And I think it's fair to say that Dan did a lot of really good things with their offense. Even call it a limited offense uh, with the quarterback. The way that they stuck to sort of the speed option. There was a lot of good there from from their side. And I just like sort of the tenacity, the will that their team uh, brought to the table. It wasn't just Emory Jones. It was the entire roster. Everyone was keyed up for the game and uh, and played well, played appropriate. And that's a hats a off to, to Mullen in that regard. If we go back to the last time we played Florida in the SEC championship game uh, 2020, uh, obviously they had a, an entirely different roster uh, so did Alabama. And that game went down to the wire. And I think for Alabama fans, that game was a little bit of a surprise too. I think Alabama fans, if if they were truly honest, uh would have thought both of these games would have been 14 point games. And they were both very, very close. Actually both games, ironically, if you will, uh both games Florida had the had ball in hand as as the clock went out or uh, expired, uh, with a chance to win uh, to win the game, and I actually both uh, ended up in a quarterback sack or a quarterback uh, tackle. But nonetheless, both of those two games were an opportunity uh, where Florida could have won the game, and if things had unfolded just even just a little bit differently in the game, uh, they would have. And if you reach back just a little bit further, 2017 uh, at Mississippi State, this was the Nick uh, Nick Fitzgerald game. And this is where Jalen Hurts threw a touchdown to Smitty with uh, just a couple of minutes left in the game. And that was the differential to win the game. So the last three games that Alabama or Saban uh, has has coached against uh, Dan Mullen, they all three came down to very, very late in the game. They were all three games where it felt like Alabama could have or eh, should have uh, had a bigger margin, a bigger lead, and in all three instances – Uh, Dan Mullen and his squad almost won the game. Again, just a little sort of wrinkle... Uh, of differential and uh, and Alabama fans are, are lamenting the fact that uh, that we're 0 and three against uh, Mullen in the last three games. Uh, it's it's you know luck and circumstances and, and turns of fate uh, that it goes the other way, and we should not take that for granted, uh, especially uh, especially if we play Florida uh, later later this season. Uh, Dan Mullen uh, you know a lot of fans will probably twist this the wrong way. He because you know he said in his presser, man, I hope we play them. Uh, again I'll we play them again soon. Well let's not get too worked up around that um, there's something called the physics of the SEC schedule that uh, that indicate the only way the only way that we would Alabama would ever face Florida again I guess there's three ways that could happen. the only way we could do that is in the postseason SEC championship chip game being the most obvious uh, but, there are, uh, there are avenues where we could face them uh, in the playoffs. And so if I'm Florida, of course I want to play Alabama again because the only way physically that that can happen is uh, Nets out to be uh, a pretty good uh, situation for Florida. I would want, if I were Florida, I'd want to play Alabama again too because... They, they they beat Alabama three out of four quarters, and I know they'd love to play that first quarter again. I know that they would. And if they're playing Alabama later in the season in a championship-type environment, a postseason-type environment, then we better watch out because they're going to be a different team because they're going to have access uh, to another quarterback as well. As Emory Jones took care of his business, uh, they're going to be a better team by virtue of increased confidence and by virtue of having another weapon at uh, the quarterback position. So all of that, I sort of brand under the defense because, damn it, this Alabama defense has room to grow, and it's going to need to grow significantly to keep pace with what Florida may have for us later in the season if they get their wish which is to play Alabama again. I think as as I sit here, I don't know that I want to play uh, Florida again. The alternative is Georgia, uh, but um, I don't know that I want to face Florida a second time. I think I'd rather play Georgia for the first time than Florida for the second time for uh, all the reasons that we've talked about. Uh, Defense, I want to talk about about, uh, play calling just a little bit. And I want to sort of rope this more towards uh, the the defensive front. I thought our defensive front played uh, played well, and there were some standout uh, individual performances. But I think across the board, uh, Alabama needed to provide more pressure uh, up front. I think there I think there was a need for a greater rotation uh, across the defensive line. And we're actually we're going to come back to that. But we've talked about the defensive line. Damn that preseason show. We talked about the defensive line being have, having enough depth that itself could be a weapon uh, for the defense. And so we needed to see more of that uh, against Florida on what was just a, a blistering sort of humid day, just a depressing uh, sort of weight on the players, especially the big guys up front. I think some additional rotation there really could have benefited. I think Brian Young, I don't think he played uh, – Byron Young, I don't think he played as much as – he probably could have, and as much as his contribution suggested. I think when he came in at times, he looked really fresh, and he was a contributor. Uh, DJ Dale and Tim Smith, now they rotated uh, a lot at the nose position, so that was good to see. And both of them put up some pretty good numbers. And so that speaks to if we can continue to sort of leverage and get fresh bodies and fresh legs uh, across the defensive front. uh, I think that uh, uh, that could have benefited the Alabama defense. Phil Mathis, uh, probably as quiet as ever, uh, he recorded or contributed in on uh, seven tackles, uh, which was impressive. But I think this unit, I think this defensive front for Alabama has more to give. And I would have liked to have seen the play calling and uh, personnel packages uh, really sort of invest into the defensive line Saturday against uh, against Florida. I think that could have made a, a big difference. Uh, let's hit some individuals. Uh, Toa Toa, um, you know, he had nine tackles, but there were times where, uh, you know, Hank, uh, there were times where he seemed physically outmatched, which... Might have been a little bit surprising. Uh, I know that he's our play caller. I know that he's a really good player. I know that he's capable of playing, you know, sideline to sideline. But he seemed a little undersized uh, against Florida's physical running game. Now, against other teams, against Ole Miss in a couple weeks, he's going to be the perfect player. Against Florida, in more of a physical front, a physical attack, he might have been a little outmatched. He might have been a little overmatched. Physically, uh, I would have liked to have seen Jalen Moody's physicality in the game a little bit more. Again, I know we're talking a play caller here. We need to be careful about that. But is there a sub package, or is, an, is there an opportunity to rotate in to give the offense different looks uh, across the across the, the the linebacker group? And I think there is. And in fact, Jalen Moody lined up at nose. Uh, on the last play of the game and he's responsible for the tackle it was across the line of scrimmage so it was a tackle and not a sack uh, but he brought down Emory Jones to to end the game and about the time I saw him in there he was making uh he was making that play and i think he's he he we've talked about before he seems bigger he seems uh, more physical uh certainly compared to to Hank and so i'd like to see him get into that rotation i like Christian Harris i like that we have three guys in the middle that can play well and compete I'd like to see us rotate those three guys and not just play two, and then bring in one sort of in mop up duty. Uh, Demarco Hellums, man, this kid's going to get more grief uh, uh, than than he probably needs to. He had a you know eleven tackles on the day, and damn it, we just needed him to make one more. Uh, we needed him to make the tackle uh, on third down. Uh, on, on third down on the 99-yard 99, 99 drive. And if he makes that play, if he makes that tackle, they're short of the first down. Florida has to – they're going to have to punt uh, because they're still in the shadow of their own end zone. And uh, and instead, they continue to possess the ball, continue to wear down the Alabama defense, and, of course, they go 99 yards uh, for a touchdown. So I would have liked to have seen DeMarco make just one more play, and I'm not piling on the guy because – Cause clearly he knows that. Uh, and he otherwise had a really good day uh, with 11 tackles or in on 11 tackles. Uh, Jalen and Moore Davis, he had an interception overall. I think the cornerbacks played well, uh, probably better than just the gameplay uh, would, would it would suggest if you watch the game, it seemed like, man, they're always con- completing that pass, that, 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 that pass on that third down and you sort of translate that to the, to the cornerbacks. I thought the cornerbacks played okay. Um, uh, I, I, you know, maybe it's a little bit of rust for been, having been off last week, uh, but maybe there's an opportunity for uh, some open competition there with McKinstry. Uh, we'll see. But overall, uh, I thought the corners were not as bad as, as sort of the play, uh, the gameplay suggested. And uh, Jalen uh, Amor Davis getting an interception certainly is good. Uh, Drew Sanders, just want to give a hats off to, to Drew Sanders. He had six tackles. Uh, tackle for loss and a in a quarterback uh hurry. He's one of those guys we've talked about before. He's getting better before our eyes. Every week, he's getting better. And uh, other players and coaches are saying really positive things about Drew Sanders. And I think he is going to develop, continue to develop into just an outstanding uh, player. I like him more you know, forward motion as opposed to backing into coverage uh, when he is in coverage. And and we're comfortable letting him do that. So that speaks to uh, some capability and certainly his athleticism. But I think when he plays sort of nose forward uh, as opposed to stepping backwards, uh, he is a better player. But Drew Sanders, number 20 uh, defensive end, he's going to be – our. Outside linebacker, he's going to certainly be a player to watch because uh, he is getting better and better every week. We see him growing before our eyes. He's getting increasingly comfortable. All the sort of the phrases, the buzz phrases that, that we say uh, to describe a player, Drew Sanders is is clicking all of those boxes, and uh, that's fun and exciting to see. All right, so. We got this far into the defense, and we've really not talked about uh, who I would uh, characterize as sort of the hero of the day. Now, I'll be honest, politically correctly, I don't know if you're allowed to call people heroes anymore. I think nurses and, and teachers and grocery store workers are are sort of the heroes of the day. And I, I say that a little jokingly, uh, but uh, but nonetheless, the hero of the day for Alabama defenses to find it down, so we don't offend anyone, uh, is clearly clearly Will Anderson, a player that uh, we did not know is a fan base whether or not he would even be uh, healthy enough to play given uh, given his injury against uh, Mercer. And what does Will do? He comes out with seven tackles, uh, two tackles for loss, uh, a quarterback hurry, and is so just spent. So just exhausted at the end of the play that he is like practically carried off the field. Saban is asked in the post game press conference, "Is Will Henderson okay?" And Saban goes, "Yes, of course he's okay. He just, you know, was very sort of demonstrative in saying that he was okay. He was not helped off the field, and it, he kind of was. And so was he not helped off the field because of injury? He was helped off the field because of exhaustion. I think that's the point that Saban is making." And and I'll give him margin for that, but he was just so physically spent at the end of the game that uh, there there was some some assistance needed. And so I think you know on the flight back to Tuscaloosa, Will, can we carry your bags? Uh, enjoy your complimentary upgrade to first class hot towel, sir. Yes. Would you like to, uh, can I pour you a bourbon from the pilot's private collection? If we're not doing that on the flight back, then we're not doing this right. Because Will Anderson absolutely was a hero Saturday and he needed the Royal treatment, uh, on, on the way home. There's absolutely no doubt uh, about that. And in fact, uh, we talked about uh, will practically being carried off the field. He's not in, injured. He was so spent. Saban, I'm coming for you in the wrap up segment. We're going to talk about, uh, we're going to talk about that a little bit. Uh, in terms of defense, uh, mini game ball. Um, I'm going Jalen Moody. I'm going to go two players, so I'm going to break the mini game ball just a little bit. Uh, we're going to go Jalen Moody for all the reasons that we've just talked about, and uh, we're going to go LeBron Ray. And so I'm going to have a little bit of a sentimental angle. Uh, dude has just been so dinged up and injured, and and has not played yet this season. Uh, however, he did play. Uh, Saturday against uh, Florida. From my TV set, I didn't see when he was in. Uh, I did see that he registered a tackle, and so that's good. And so just sentimentally, I feel good about LaBrian Ray getting into the game. And I tell you what, if he can play and be healthy and be sort of a representative version of himself, we talked last week about him maybe being one of the puzzle pieces that can alleviate if Will Anderson isn't able to play. Well, guess what? He can alleviate if we need to give Will anders some some rest, uh, so that Will can be more effective on the plays that he plays. And so, if Lebron Ray gets you know three to five to six uh, snaps that otherwise are going to Will uh, at at points in the game, then that's certainly something that I think is is going to benefit Lebron uh, and it's going to benefit Will, and in turn, it's going to benefit uh, the defense as a whole. So, there's my mini game balls. Special teams, I, I, I don't necessarily have a lot to say about special teams. I would say kickoffs, uh, take the ball where you give it. And if you have any, uh, you know, take the ball where they'll give it to you. Uh, if you have any questions about that, uh, ask Arizona State what uh, what they think. Uh, Will Reichert. Uh, only one field goal, and it was a 24-yarder. But he had four PATs, and so sort of the the buzz around Will is he's perfect on his kicks because he went perfect last week and uh, our last season, uh, which truly is impressive. I don't minimize that uh, to go perfect on a season. Uh, he missed one last week, which is a little disappointing. And so there's a rush for him to have another uh, another streak. I understand that. Uh, dude's a damn good kicker, and uh, we're glad to have him uh, booting the ball for us. Uh, James Burnup, uh, our very own Aussie uh, kicker, punted, uh, was it three or four times uh, more than we would have liked? And uh, he was 42 and a half yards as his average. His last punt, and this was interesting, you know, I have to get sort of a, a kicking sort of coaching expert on here to, uh, to sort of straighten this out. But his last punt, uh, I, w- I was so excited to say, oh, and his last punt was the was the longest was the best uh, because that's when we were punting the ball away uh, with just so little time on the clock. And we want to back Florida up as far as possible. And I looked in the stat and I was like, Oh, that's so disappointing. He had a 34 yarder. Uh, on the last one, you think, oh, that's when you want 60. And then I started, I sort of look at it. I was like, oh, let's think about this a little bit. And, uh, and so Florida took possession of the ball at the 23. And so from where they, you know, so 34 yards from where they were, they, you know, get the ball at the 23. And I'm thinking, well, there's sort of a sweet spot there. You, if you can get them inside the 25, then that's a win. Now, closer to the goal line, the better. But, uh, if he had done a longer kick, then there's a greater likelihood that it could have outkicked the coverage which is an expression, or it could have just rolled into uh, the end zone and then they would have brought it out to the 25 just anyway. So the 23, 25 is not that big of a difference, but I think it was more about let's kick the ball in the air so we can cover the hell out of that ball. Let's worry less about, you know, booting it, moonshots, and let's just get down there and tackle the. Uh, the football toting Jesse there, so that uh, so they don't you know break one off on us. And so um, I think that went into that last kick being his shortest, and that's going to pull down the average too. He was at forty two and a half, including a thirty four yarder. And so I think across the board, he punted well and did what we needed situationally. And so his longer his other punts are going to be longer, and where we need him to place the ball right there. So that we can converge and cover, uh, he delivered in that regard. So I thought, uh, I thought that was uh, that was really uh, really good. All right, next up. So it turns out next week we play Southern Miss in Tuscaloosa, and I'm going to tell you, I don't care that we play Southern Miss, and I don't care what the score is, so long as we have more runs than they do. What I do care about, and I'm looking at you, Coach. I said I was coming is loosening up the bench. Let's not tighten up and play a short bench. Let's loosen it up and let's play more players. Let's audition for roles. Let's go shopping for talent on our own roster. Let's find a right tackle. I think, I'll help you with the easy ones, I think it's J.C. Latham. Let's find a difference maker uh, wide receiver. I think it's probably JoJo and or a J. Hall. I think there's a lot of dynamic uh, plays that we could run with both of them on the field. Show me more of this two tight end set. Let's see what we can do with Robbie uh, Robbie Outs. I think there's a lot of opportunity there, and so let's let's not have a sort of a play count, a tick count, uh, a short bench. Let's open it up. And let's see. Let's audition for some opportunities here. Let's audition for, for some roles Saturday. And if that means we have some learning curves against Southern Miss, then let's have learning curves against Southern Miss and not against Ole Miss. Let's get the right miss for our misses. Um, that probably sound sounded different than I wanted it, but we're tracking. We're tracking. Um, let's find an outside linebacker or a defensive end that we can sub in for Anderson? and We've talked about that. Is it Dallas? Is it Cano not? Is it an extra defensive tackle so we can be more phys- physical up front? Because we have the horses for that. Is it a LeBlar- uh, LeBron Ray? Uh, let's find a role for Jalen Moody. We've talked about this. Let's rotate him in with the others. Let's find a role for Jalen Moody. Um Maybe he steps in last last week. We thought maybe Christian Harris. Maybe it's Moody lining up a couple uh, snaps on the outside and just saying Sickem on uh, playing some containment and uh, playing some Will Anderson. Maybe Moody's physical enough to do that. Let's find a, a platoon maybe with Helms and Malachi Moore. I it I get it. I get the numbers, but when we see Battle and Helms at safety, and I want them both out there, and we've got uh, Amar Davis. And Job at corner, well, I like that, and we've got uh, Brian Branch as the star. I don't necessarily want to take any of those guys off the field, but I want to get me some Malachi Moore on the field too. And so last year we platooned Demarco Helms and uh, Daniel Wright. Well, maybe we do some pl- some platooning with Daniel Helms or, or with Demarco Helms and Malachi Moore. And guess what? That's a better platoon because. Helms is a better player this year than last year. And Malachi Moore is, a, is an upgrade uh, from Daniel Wright, I think, at that position. And so let's see if we can work some platoon uh, in there. And, and maybe we find the situation like we had against Florida, where it's Malachi in there, a fresher Malachi in there, and he makes that play than an exhausted Helms was unable to make. Maybe, or vice versa, a more rested Helms makes that play because he gave some snaps earlier in the game. Uh, to Malachi in either case we need something and what we need I think is on our roster we just need to go shopping on our own roster and um, there's certainly an opportunity uh, to do that and against Southern Miss against the Golden Eagles that's when we need to do this and so Saturday's game could be it could be super exciting from the standpoint of we do a lot of things with our roster and we check out a lot of things with our roster Do we do that? Will we do that? I have a hard time thinking that we do. Do we need to do it? Absolutely, 100%. And hopefully I've not mixed that message in today's podcast. All right. One more sort of footnote uh, that I want to cover. I absolutely hate to cover this one. And Chip, I know that's going to make you happy. And I say that with all sort of respect. And and I'm grinning a little bit myself. But in our Zoom call uh, sort of prediction, score prediction, uh, I have to give it to Chip. He went thirty five twenty eight, and uh, and boy, Chip was sour uh, Saturday. And I love you, buddy, but uh, he absolutely called it a close game. He absolutely expressed concern over the state of the team. He was reading the team's mail uh, Saturday on on the Zoom call. And if you have an opportunity to go back and listen to that, if you have an opportunity to join us on a Zoom call, we absolutely want you to do that. If you want to do that, but you don't know how to do it, uh, check out the Alabama Football Podcast email at gmail.com or just alabamafootballpodcast.com. And uh, there's some information there. Uh, but uh, Chip predicted uh, 35 to 28, so we predicted within a touchdown. We were even closer than that. He was actually more right directionally, uh, and boy, you should have seen some of the other scores. Uh, we thought, uh, I thought, uh, and others that uh, that we were really going to uh, lay some wood to Florida, and it started out that way, but it did not. Uh, it did not end that way. And so, Chip, uh, you've heard me reference him before uh, because he asked a really great question that we addressed in our mailbag which is another one of our good preseason uh, shows, he talked about leaders uh, on the team. And so I'm bullish on the fact that there are leaders on the team. I just don't think they've developed to the point. And so uh, I think Chip and I are coming at this from different uh, different angles. I think he'd probably agree with some of the positions and the names and the players, but we're not seeing it. And I thought we would – I thought we would get them into those positions, and they they would execute in those positions uh, faster than they have. Uh, and and the reality is we have, haven't gotten that. Now, do we get that Saturday? Was Saturday in sort of that swampy mess and heat and humidity and close game? Was that sort of the the environment, the concoction that sort of gives life to leadership? Uh, across Alabama or sort of unlocks it. And they come back to Tuscaloosa, a different team, a team that's uh, that that's going to step up into uh, the roles, that's going to take practice, that's going to take treatment, that's going to take everything serious. I think we saw Will Anderson demonstrate that. Uh, I think there are other players, Bryce and others, that are demonstrating uh, characteristics. I think we need the team as a whole to sort of uh, embrace that, to embody that. If we look just across the field Saturday, Florida was an outmatched team. I believe that. However, they bought in and they gave it all they had on the field. And on the field Saturday, for vast portions of the game, they were the better team. They were. Uh, And I think if we have a little bit of that heart and spirit, if Alabama – can translate some of that heart and spirit into their play, then I think this team can be special. If they can't, and if we don't fix the offensive line, then we've got two losses coming to us. So buckle up. All right. Hey, this has been another edition of the Alabama Football Podcast. Roll Tide. Thanks for listening to the Alabama Football Podcast. We love that you're tuned in and hope that you enjoyed the show. We encourage you to reach out and let us know what you like, where we can improve, or just to shout out a Roll Tide. We are where you are. iTunes, Facebook, Twitter, email newsletters, T-shirts, free roster downloads, and, of course, on the web at alabamafootballpodcast.com. Check us out where you'll find easy links to your favorite way to follow the Tide. Got that, Coach? Of course. Roll Tide.